0: Hello to all of you, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and purpose in your life, to find the reason for why you exist and everything in this universe exists. It is found in the ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, which is the one true eternal God. I want to share, first of all, that I have a website at ultimatemeaning.com for all of you who are new. There, there's a flip book where you will find very original writing through the gifting of the Spirit of God in me that answers a lot of very difficult and hard questions and there's a lot of the print that is highlighted in red which are links to very profound and amazing youtube videos so check that out but this is a message to those that have found and come to the saving knowledge of god through jesus christ it is a message to the churches spoken Seeking to speak as the oracles of God. And I do speak. Messages that are coming out of the Spirit of God. Let me explain that. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We are to seek to allow the Spirit of God to speak out of us. Words that are beyond ourselves. That are coming from the Spirit of God. And to facilitate that. To stir it up. It is greatly lacking, especially in the leadership, which should be doing this themselves, and they don't, the vast, vast majority. And how, obviously, then, is the congregation? But that is how we are to gather together. Now, let me explain this verse a little. It says in Revelations 19.10, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, out of great reverence and love for God, great humility, we are filled with the spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves out of which can spring forth creative utterances by the spirit of God whether that is a testimony or a word of exhortation or encouragement or whatever way it comes forth as a psalm. If you're in a church that allows that, you will feel at a certain point in the congregation when people are we're about to speak and move in the gifts of the Spirit after a time of worship. You'll sense the presence of God rising in you and coming up towards your mouth. Like And you don't know what you're going to say, but you know, you might have a crystal focus on what you're going to say, possibly a thought might be in seed form. It might be that, you know, it's supposed to come out as a song and you don't know what kind of song you're going to sing. And it comes out as a beautiful song that is even poetic that you didn't plan to be poetic. Now. This is what happens, as this says in Revelations 19.10. It happens when you worship God, that there is the gifting of prophecy that comes forth. And we should always be doing that. And so when I speak this message, I want to stay in a heart and mindset of worship, to speak out of worship. And what I do to facilitate this is I do not prepare much so that it allows God to speak instead of my own little outline or plans. So I only spend a half an hour. And what I do is I meditate on two chapters. And I receive those two chapters by casting of lot before the Lord using two independent random applications on the internet. So I get one chapter from the word of God. And then with the second application, another chapter. That could be the possibility of any chapter. And then those two chapters bear witness with one another pretty well all the time. Very rare that that doesn't happen. And I know from those two chapters what the theme is, what the message is. So such is the case today. And before I share those two chapters, which facilitates speaking prophetically, because... Casting of lots is very scriptural. It was extensively used in the Old Testament. It was used by the early church to choose the apostle who would take the place of Judas. It was used by powerful movements of revival like the Moravians that even chose their wives by the casting of lot. It works when people do it, when they're right with God and they're in a right love relationship with God and it's done reverently and seriously, it will work. God's called me to preach messages this way. And so these people that belittle this are totally unscriptural. It says the casting of the lot and the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord and we should be facilitating to speak as the oracles of God, to speak prophetically. And So now I will just share the song. I... I just chose a song this time that I thought would be possibly fitting. It's one of the ones that's already in my playlist on my website at loverealize.com where you can listen to a lot of really beautiful, wonderful songs of worship there. That, um, you know, you can turn it on or you can use it in your congregation because they all have words with the songs on YouTube video. And I'm very fussy. I don't just choose any old song. I choose ones that are really great, that have a lot of meaning in the words and beautiful tunes, and a beautiful, always congregational songs. There might be one or two that aren't. So we're going to go with a song that I received today, first of all, in worship. So we'll go with that right now. So here we go.
1: thine a captured heart chief among ten thousand on him joyful choose the better part captivated by his beauty worthy tribute, haste to bring let his fearless worth constrain
0: Now that's a beautiful song with great depth and meaning in those words all about how we can know such a beautiful love relationship with our Creator, with our Redeemer, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, in our lives and be freed from the grip of all... The hypnotic draws of this world that would draw us into idolatry and eclipse our love for God. I want to share with you the two chapters I received today by the casting of Lot. And they are, first of all, Jonah chapter 1, I received by the casting of Lot. And then I received Isaiah 19. And again, There is a very clear theme between these two chapters so that it is clear what God is saying. Both of these chapters are about God dealing with those of his people that are in love with the world so as to corner them to true repentance, to the place where it is purged out of them. Thus, they no longer go back to loving the world, but are brought into a total deep love relationship with him so that they become his people and he becomes theirs. So I want to share with you, first of all, these scriptures. So we'll turn, first of all, to Jonah chapter 1. So we're just going to go to Jonah chapter 1 now. And as I was reading this, my heart was melted to tears. And I thought, oh, it's just another chapter. Everyone knows Jonah 1. What am I going to get out of this? Oh, you know, when you walk and you have a life of prayer, and I spend a lot of time in prayer before I do these messages, not and soon after I get in the Word, God can really bear witness and touch you deeply to tears while you're reading. At least that's my experience. When I'm not expecting it, it's always very unexpected, and it was when I was reading Jonah chapter 1 here. And So I do want to read this. It's a short chapter. Now the word of the Lord, or Yahweh, came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it up them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Even God can use the heathen, <laughs> can use lots with them. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou, and what is thy country, and of thy what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am in Hebrew, and I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, the Almighty of heaven, which have made the sea and dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. And they said unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought, and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Jonah was willing to totally lose his life for the damage that he knew was happening and about to happen to these men. He was willing to totally lose his life. And that's where I was deeply touched. And yet, this same Jonah that preached against Nineveh was upset that God showed mercy onto Nineveh when he himself was willing to show mercy unto these men to the point of having himself thrown into the sea so that they could have, be saved. Yes, Jonah became very repentant right there. He knew he should have never fled to Tarshish where he could enjoy an easy life and have all of these wonderful things in his life an adventure, whatever else he was delighting to experience. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord, unto Yahweh. They cried unto the God, the true God, and said, we beseech thee, O Yahweh, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Yahweh, hast done as it pleased thee. You allowed this Yahweh. So they took up Jonah, and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from a raging. Then the man feared Yahweh exceedingly, and offered sacrifice unto Yahwehs, and made vows. They were really repentants. They really turned to God. These Gentiles turned from their heathen gods and found the true and living God. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Brothers and sisters, the Lord will allow turmoil in our lives if we have the world in our heart, if we have the loves of Egypt in our heart. He called the children of Israel to go through the Red Sea. There they experienced a dying to Egypt. And they never should have looked back. But how many times they looked back to Egypt? But here, Jonah comes to a place where, through the pressure of this storm, he realizes how wrong he's been. And he's very repentant. And he believes he deserves to die for it. And he, th- he, so they throw him in the sea, and God chose, chose a great fish. And we know what happened. We know the story of Jonah, a true story. And there have been many cases throughout history in case you didn't know it where people have been swallowed by whales and later the whale was caught and they found the person inside alive there's actually true accounts of this that have happened since then and i don't have time to cite those but you could do a search on the internet on it now i want to go to isaiah 19 and read that chapter as it is also about the same theme, and you will see this to be the case. So we read, The burden of Egypt, behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst. God is going to come and visit Egypt in the last days, and these idols that are there in their heart, whether it's the idols of a monotheistic Warped concept of God, or whether it's polytheism, or whether it's the gods of materialism, and many other things, He is going to come, and they will be moved at this time. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight every one against his brother, and every one against his neighbor, city against city, and kingdom against kingdom. And the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof, and I will destroy the counsel thereof, and they shall seek to idols and to charmers and to them that have familiar spirits and to wizards. And there's a lot of that happening as well in Egypt. And that's happening a lot around the world in these days. A lot of people are into these these things nowadays, wizards and charmers and all of these things. And the Egypt—it's some people call it new age. And the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel Lord. And a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord. That's Adonai there. And then the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts. And the waters shall fail from Egypt and the river shall be wasted and dried up and they shall turn the rivers far away and the brooks of defense shall be emptied and dried up and the reeds and the flags shall wither the paper reads by the brooks by the mouth of the brooks everything sown by the brooks shall wither be driven away and be no more the fishers also shall mourn and all they that cast angle into the brooks shall lament and they that spread nets upon the waters shall languish moreover they that work in fine flax and they that weave networks Shall be confounded, and they shall be broken in the purposes thereof, and all that make sluices and ponds for fish. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools, and the counsels, counsel of the wise counselors of Pharaoh is become brutish. How say ye unto Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of the ancient kings? Where are they? Where are the wise men? Let them tell thee now. Let them know what. Yahweh of have purposed upon Egypt. And Egypt is representative of the world and the loves of the world in general, brothers and sisters. The princes of Zon are become fools. The princes of Noth are deceived. They have also seduced Egypt, even they that are the stay of the tribes thereof. And this is happening generally around the world today. We see that leadership has become foolish. They have been embracing foolish teachings like critical race theory and all of this foolishness that is damaging children permanently in their lives where they say, oh, you can choose your own sex and then they mutilate them and the damage is irreparable for the rest of their life. It is terrible what we see happening in the world today. The world system that is filled with the idols of self. Self-worship, which is really meaning that when you worship yourself and you just seek for the temporal gratifications of this world, those are a manipulative bait that can be used by the enemy. And so there is the demonic powers that manipulate people. And they end up worshiping these in the form of idols, whether that's a literal idol or a materialistic pleasure or a sexual pleasure, whatever it is. Neither shall there be any work for Egypt, which the head or tail, branch or rush may do. In that day shall Egypt, and that's talking about the future, and I believe it's, even though it mentioned the word Pharaoh here, this is talking about the last days as well as what was happening in measure at that time. But it is more a prophetic pronouncement that happens to Egypt in the very last days. In that day shall Egypt be like unto women, and it shall be afraid and fear because of the shaking of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he shaketh over it. They will become fearful. And there's many nowadays men that are like women because of all the things they're putting into the food and into vaccinations that are taking away that. There's that aspect of things too. And the land of Judah shall be a terror unto Egypt, which is the nation of Israel. Every one that maketh mention thereof shall be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, which he hath determined against it. In that day shall five cities in the land of Egypt speak the land language of Canaan and swear to Yahweh of hosts. One shall be called the city of destruction. And there is a city that is in Egypt called that, it's in the, their language, of course, so it doesn't just say it, but that's what it means in their language. In that day shall there be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar at the border thereof to the Lord. They're going to make an altar to the God of Israel. And it shall be for a sign and for a witness unto the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they shall cry unto the Lord because of the oppressors, and he shall send them a savior and a great one, and he shall deliver them. And Yahweh shall be no one in Egypt. Woo. I just uh, lost my place here. One sec. One sec and the Lord shall be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians shall know the Lord in that day, and shall do sacrifice and oblation. Yea, they shall vow a vow unto the Lord and perform it." We don't know exactly if this is going to happen in the next short while, maybe after the invasion where Turkey and the others come against Israel, Turkey and China, and all of those nations come against Israel and are destroyed. And possibly Russia. That's in Ezekiel, of course. It says that then they will know who the true God is. They won't worship a false monotheistic God or false gods. And so, when the Lord smites Egypt, it says here, "This will ha- and the Lord shall smite Egypt, he shall smite and heal it. You see, God's purpose in all of the terrible things that are described that will happen to them when the Lord visits them, it is to the intent that they might be healed, and they shall return even to Yahweh, and he shall be entreated of them and shall heal them. In that day shall there be a highway out of Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrian shall come into Egypt, and the Egyptian into Assyria, and the Egyptians shall serve with the Assyrians. In that day shall Israel be the third with Egypt and with Assyria, even a blessing in the midst of the land. Oh, hallelujah. This may be before the Lord returns and sets up his millennial kingdom, or right after When the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a time when God is wanting us not to be asleep like Jonah in the ship. And yet many of us, there is obviously a terrible tribulation happening in the world, and much of the church is asleep. They have not yet awakened. And it's going to take the world sometimes to tell the church to wake up. Because they wake up before many of the people in the church. And if right now, if you're not not aware of it, there is a mass genocide taking place through these vaccines. Do you realize that well over 85% of the people, this is from a government statistical website in Egypt, in England, Well, over 85% of the people that are dying in the hospitals right now are the ones that have had three or more vaccinations. And the death rate, the mortality rate, has gone up to over 40%. Worldwide, that is a record. The highest has ever gone up, even during the most serious plagues, like the Spanish flu, is 10%. People are being killed by a bioweapon attack through China. And through the global elite, which have say plainly right on the World Economic Forum, you've got Klaus Schwab. He's written a book. He says, oh, we need to reduce the world's population from 7 billion down to 1 billion. Really? 90 percent. You're going to kill 90 percent of people. Stupid. Are you people so blind to not see that with all their money and influence, they own over 70 percent of everything in the world? They're buying everyone off. They've corrupted the medical system. I was just at Liberty.com, which is spelled L-I-B-T-R-I, I believe, or L-I-B-I-T-R-I, forget which, com. And I saw a long one on there about how corrupt the medical system here is in Canada. It's terrible what's been happening. This doctor invented something that was so effective against cancer and they fired him because of it through framing things against him with lawyers that they use. And then they stole that from him and took it themselves to make a bunch of money and make it so expensive that no one can hardly use it. That's just one example of what was on that video on top of all the crazy stuff that's happening with the false so-called pandemic. Yes, are you awake, brothers and sisters? Does it take the world to wake up the church in this hour? Do you think that you should be going back and being just having church as it's normally always been in this time? We are living in serious times. God is calling the church to wake up and he is allowing trials and tribulations to happen in this world that will shake you to the core, if that's what it takes, to wake you up and purge the world out of you. He wants to bring you to the place where you really repent like Jonah. You're really willing to lay down your life and be cast, as it were, into the sea, if that's what it takes to be right with God. You're willing to lose your life. Oh, it's so wonderful to come into a deep love relationship with your creator and find out that all of these empty things in the world that you are grasping after are so shallow and so empty and meaningless compared to the subjective experience of intimacy and fellowship with your creator and how appropriate the song is that we sung in that regards. I've written a book called "Godheadship and Body Invasion which you can purchase on Amazon that shares with you how you can do a lot of things in your church so that you do not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local congregation so that the glory of God comes down and can rest in your midst and such power that it will powerfully impact your life, that it will powerfully cause the darkness to be broken over your community so that without you even going out and doing evangelism, people start running into your church because the presence of God convicts them when they're in the beer piler or wherever they are to the point that they're desperate. Oh, where's a church? And they find and run in and get saved. That's what God wants just like in the Welsh Revival, except this time he wants the containers that will not allow that to dissipate into division. That we come into such a love union with God and with each other that we fulfill the cry of God's heart, the zeal of his heart in John 17. That when they see that oneness that we have with the Father and with one another, that the world would believe. That it would bring in a mighty harvest in these last days as it will in the land of Egypt, as it will throughout the world. But will you be part of it? That is the question. I've written a book, or I'm writing a book that's going to be published in the very near future now on the evidence of life after death. Highly researched. Brothers and sisters, it's real. It's far more wonderful than anything the world can offer. Oh, don't you want such a wonderful destiny? Do you not want to know how wonderful you can have a relationship even in this world that is so abundant in subjective fellowship with Christ, with Yahweh, the Almighty's, that the things of the world you would never want to go back to it, even in this life. You'd, you can know liberty in the midst of a prison where they torture you and torment you and a subjective experience that's so great in your relationship with God that you'd rather have that than be in a place where it's empty and makes you empty inside because all you're grasping for is things that do not fill that void that can only be filled with the Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, God bless you all. I pray that you are blessable so that when I say God bless you all, I'm saying it to those that are blessable. My prayer is that you would all be blessable, that you might be blessed. That he could cause his face to shine upon you as you let go and let God in your life. It's time to come to him just as you are with a heart of repentance Because you cannot really come to him without a heart that is truly sorrowful and regretful for the way you've lived. And he will take that burden from you. And he will cleanse you and make you white as snow. And you will enter into your destiny in its fullness, brothers and sisters. With tears, I am crying out to you now. Come, come, come. You who are weary and burdened, Are heavy laden, and He will give rest to your soul. Thank you for listening to this message.